Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning. It's the nineteenth of September. It is Monday. I don't know. The weekend went very, very fast. How about for you? Um, I uh, It flew by. I am thrilled to be back here with you today following really a blessed and exceptional week together during Faith Radio's fall fundraiser. I really cannot say thank you enough. Um, it is with deepest gratitude and genuine partnership and ministry that we do this labor. And so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for each and every person who prayerfully participated, financially participated. For those of you who came alongside us in myriad other ways, I'm thankful to God for his sovereignty over the technology and our health and travel and on and on and on. Um, what a blessing and and what great hope we have for the future set before us. Um, you have really magnanimously prepared for us to be able to say yes when God says, come over here and do this. Things that we can't even yet foresee, but certainly God has planned. And so thank you. Um, thank you for keeping your faith radio strong and for preparing us um, to advance this ministry in the coming uh, days and weeks and months and years to come. Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Psalm 73, verses 23 and 24. Um, Psalm 73 is the first psalm in what's kind of known among scholars as book three of the psalms. The psalms are actually broken up into um, five books. And so this is book three, Psalms 73 to 89. And this this group of psalms, which you know leads off with Psalm 73, really are, they center around this reminder that God is with us and God is for us. And so Psalm 73 is one of the Psalms of Asaph. So you might have always thought that all the Psalms were Psalms of David, but they're not. Uh, These Psalms are Psalms of Asaph. And this particular Psalm of Asaph is recounting the history of, of not only, well, the Psalms of Asaph in this section of the Psalms recount God's history um, with his people encourage God's people to tell the next generation about the goodness and the greatness and the faithfulness of God to remind one another of the mighty deeds of the Lord over and over and over again. And so Psalm 73, really deeply honest and personal prayer. Um, And because today's verses begin with the word yet, it's a little bit like when you get to a a place in scripture where it says, therefore, you know, you got to, you got to know what comes before that in order to know what the therefore is there for. Well, same uh, with today. Um, when you have the word yet, you you got to go back and you got to read the verses that come before that in order to make sense of the verse um, that you're looking at. So I'm going to read the entirety of Psalm 73 today so that we have today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day in its context. So this is a Psalm of Asaph. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. 
They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from common human burdens. They're not plagued by human ills. Pride is their necklace, and they clothe themselves with violence. And from their callous hearts come iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits, and they scoff, and they speak with malice. And with arrogance, they they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. And therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. And they say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like free from care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence, and all day long I have been afflicted. Every morning brings new punishments. And If I had spoken out like that, I would have, been, I would have betrayed your children. So when I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply until I entered the sanctuary of God, and then I understood final destiny. Surely, surely they are standing on slippery ground. They shall be cast down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terror. They're like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet, and here's today's growing your faith verse of the day, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? Earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it's good to be near to God. I've made the sovereign Lord my refuge, and I will tell of all your deeds. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Up up next, a conversation with our friend Dave Buring from LionShare about the glory of God and what it means for us in this life to glorify God. Welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Every step of the way Back with us today is our good friend, Dave Buring. We are talking about the glory of God. You can find Dave and the resources we're talking about today at lionshare.org. Dave, good morning. Good morning. It's good to hear your voice. It's good to hear your voice as well. So we know that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, or at least some of us know that. So what does it mean to glorify God? Yeah, you know, it's a... It's an interesting topic. It's one that captured me about 20 years ago and kind of caught me off guard a little bit because, you know, you often just think about glorifying God being, hey, if I do something good, you know, it can glorify God. And that's absolutely true. But there's a whole, whole bigger picture behind it. And when you kind of look at the, the dynamics in Scripture, you realize that there's this weight to it. And it literally means that, like the glory of God speaks of weight, it speaks of reputation, 
And back in Jesus's day, you really couldn't separate like your name, Carmen, from your reputation. They were inseparable. It, it spoke of your character, the way that you related to people, your dealings in the community. And it, it was either significantly enhanced or severely damaged, you know, by someone's responses. So, so the whole thing of bringing God glory has a whole lot more meaning. When I think about glorifying God, this is a full-time, all-the-time, in every way, in every mm-hmm. aspect of life, through mm-hmm. thought, word, and deed. This is, com- like, glorifying God is comprehensive. It's not, um, oh, I'll put that on the schedule, and sometime today I'll be sure at some point I glorify God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's exactly right. And 1 Corinthians ten thirty-one kind of pulls us into what you just said. So whether you eat or drink, kind of like the simple things of life, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So let me kind of give you a big picture thing that I've run into on this. So in Exodus 33 and 34, you have Moses saying this to God, show me your glory. And, you know, so it's interesting what happens afterwards, because you would expect, like, I think in the world we live in today, when you'd say to God, show me your glory, you're thinking of like the most incredible show you've ever seen of of signs and wonders and you know the sky falling and the sun being brighter and the you know just amazing acts like that but when god actually shows his glory to moses he reveals his character to him and he displays it it says it sets moses on like the cleft of a rock and god walks past him while putting his hand over moses so he's not you know instantly you know, zapped by seeing God. But then while God's walking by covering Moses, he declares that he's merciful and gracious, faithful, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. And I, and it, it, it did something to me, Carmen, where I realized God's way of revealing his glory is A, through his character, and B, through his character, through us. Like the greatest way we can glorify God is living and leading out of his character. Isn't that awesome? It is awesome. And I need a model for that. And that gets us into this conversation about Jesus. I like what you say when you um, when you describe the single focus aim of Jesus is to bring glory to his heavenly mm. father. Can you, can you talk about, um, can you talk about that? Yeah, so in John 17, 4, it's actually one of my favorite kind of little passages about this. It says, I glo- Jesus is speaking, and he said, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And it's not the only place where Jesus speaks of this, but I, I want us to understand that that the, if I can say it this way, the heartbeat of the kingdom of God, the heartbeat of Jesus was day in and day out, I want to glorify my Father in heaven. And I think in this day of self-adulation and selfies and so many things going on, we're glorifying ourselves way more than we're often glorifying God. And yet Jesus's heartbeat was, how do I glorify God? And, you know, part of glorifying God has to do with enhancing his reputation, who he is, in the eyes of other people. I love um, that people ask Jesus, you know, particularly his disciples, like, show us the Father. And Jesus is mm-hmm. like, 
um, that is what I'm doing. That is who I am. Like you've missed, yeah. you seem to have missed the point. Um, it also, and when I think about Jesus's mission and his work being to exegete the Father, to reveal the Father, to show us the Father, that is not just in word, but also in deed and in character, mm-hmm. in the ways mm-hmm. of Jesus, in addition to the teachings of Jesus and um, and certainly his miracles. But it's interesting when when you read that verse in John 17, verse 4, when Jesus says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. I, I mean, he hasn't gone to the cross yet. Yeah. And I and so, you know, obviously the work that Jesus came to do was not just dying on a cross in Calvary. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. And I think the you know, the way that you expressed it here a moment ago too, of it just he's he's the manifestation of God's glory. And so mm-hmm. when we look at how he related not only to his heavenly father, but to his disciples, to those in need around him. You know, the things he said and didn't say, the way that he expressed himself, he he lived a life that incredibly glorified his father in heaven. And again, he's he's the example. He's the model of what that looks like. Talk with us a bit about and again, hey, let me just remind everybody, because Dave and I can get going in conversation. And sometimes I need to remind myself that some folks may have just joined this conversation. I'm Carmen mm-hmm. LaBerge, and we're talking with Dave Buring. Um, We're talking about the glory of God, what it means to glorify God in our lives. Um, You can find Dave and lots of resources related to this at lionshare.org. Dave, when you're talking about the name, the name of God, Jesus Mm -hmm. demonstrates a lot of concern for the name of God Mm -hmm. and the reputation of God. Can we circle back Mm -hmm. around to that point? Yeah. So Exodus 20 you know, Ten Commandments, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, most of the time we kind of reduce this thing to you don't use God's name as a swear word. That's a, that's a good thing not to do, right? But there's way more value and understanding to what this means. It, it literally means when we live in a way that distorts who God really is, it results in giving God's name a bad reputation. Mm-hmm. And Carmen, this is this is one like just being honest in my own heart. This is one of those things that makes my heart sad when I run into situations where, you know, God's name is at stake in whatever it is, whether it's a relationship, a, a, a leader who's carried the name of God and whose actions completely violate what he or she has said and and. It just, my heart just sinks because I, I've been on the other side of that with those who have reaped the consequences of that. And they say things like, yeah, if that's what this is all about, eh, I got enough drama in my life mm-hmm. where they will just turn away from God. And, and this is why it's so important to God. Um, the people of God need to be careful not to profane pollute or dishonor God's name or reputation because it ends up misrepresenting him and it can hinder people from following him. So there's kind of a heavy, weighty side of this. And Jesus seemed to have this on his radar all the time. He didn't want the misappropriating of God's name to be catastrophic for people. Instead, he wanted them to be drawn to him. How do we accurately represent Christ, 
represent God in the world today. That is a conversation about how we glorify him mm. moment by moment. We're talking with Dave Buring. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Continuing our conversation now with Dave Buring from LionShare. You can find what we're talking about at lionshare.org. This is a conversation about the glory of God and how we glorify God. It's also a conversation about how moment by moment we accurately represent or accurately represent Christ in the world today. It is about God's name. It is about God's reputation. Dave, you said an interesting thing a moment ago about distortion and how we you know, it's not on purpose. It's it's certainly, uh, I think, not malicious, but it does happen. People who identify as Christians distort the reality of who God is, um, the reality of who God has revealed himself to be, and therefore people get a misrepresentation. They, It's not that they're encountering the reality of God. It's that they're, recounter, they're encountering somebody's imagining about mm-hmm. God, which is really mm-hmm. idolatry. So they're, mm-hmm. they're encountering an idol, and they're rejecting an idol, which is good. But what it results in is a, a disinterest or turning away from the possibility that God might be pursuing them for a relationship. So talk with us about our responsibility. I mean, it's a joy to glorify God. It's the, you know, it's the purpose for my redeemed life. But talk about also the responsibility related to this in terms of our witness. Yeah, I, I think it's huge. And I think we have a great opportunity in the day that we're living in to live in such a way that when people rub shoulders with us, again, will it ever be perfect? Of course not. We know that because we're dealing with us, right? But the reality is that when they rub shoulders with us, it's like, oh, this is how a godly person responds to this situation. Or this is how a godly person doesn't pick up an offense, or this is how they were quick to forgive so their own hearts are in a good place. And, you know, one of the most practical things for me, Carmen, in this was when I read something way back in the, the 1990s from a guy by the name of Leif Anderson, who's a pastor there, you know, in the, in the Twin Cities area. And he, he said this, living to the glory of God means living in such a way that we enhance the reputation of God in the eyes of others. In other words, we can't ever obviously enhance God, right? But his reputation of who people think he is or what he's like can be remade in the eyes of other people in the way that we live, the way that we treat them. I've I've always been the one to contend that one of the greatest things of our witness is are we good relators? Because if we're not good relators to other people, it undermines everything because God is the most amazing relator in the universe which means as his followers, his disciples, we should be the best relators on the planet. Yeah, what you're talking about is, you know, how how am I a living demonstration 
good, beautiful, and true, substantial? How am I a living demonstration of the reality of God? Mm -hmm. Um, And I can't do that, but the Holy Spirit can. So a huge part of this is not only coming to the place where I acknowledge who Christ is, but coming to the place where moment by moment I cooperate with the Holy Spirit to do in and through me what I what I left to my own devices would and could never do. That's right. That's right. And you know, Carmen, like this is where rubber meets the road for me is we can, we can almost put on a show out there kind of like how when we post things on social media, you know, nobody just posts all their bad stuff. It's always kind of best foot forward, but here's the reality of this and, and where I'd encourage listeners to start are you enhancing the reputation of God in the eyes of your family? Like, like for me as a husband, would my wife, Cheryl, would she say yes? Or would she just be able to say, not so much? What about my kids? What about my grandkids? What about those I work with? You know, it's like, think of those that you walk with the closest because they have the greatest vantage point of your life. And would they, would they say, yes, the way that you live draws me closer, makes me want more of who God is? And I think that's a real starting point for, uh, for all of us. So if you're listening right now and you're like, I, um, I want what they're talking about, but I don't have anybody in my life um, that I can turn to and say, hey, would you please disciple me? I know that I want to be discipled. I know that I... Um, missed that somewhere along the way. Um, this is uh, this is an I don't know even how to go about doing what uh, Dave and Carmen are talking about. Let me encourage you to go to lionshare.org. There's a resource. It's called a discipleship journey. It's a proven and practical tool for making disciples of Jesus, um, and um, it's group oriented. But you can. Um, you can work through the material uh, and just in terms of the of what's there and the content on your own. There are um, videos that go along with it as well that you can access um, online. Um, there's an app to encourage you every single day. So if you're if you're if this is something it's been a longing of your heart. You're like I I know I'm an underdeveloped disciple and I want to be making progress on a discipleship journey. That's the name of the resource, um, and you can get it at lionshare.org. Dave, as always, thank you so much for glorifying God in your own life, for being a a disciple who is reproducing disciple makers. Um, I just really appreciate your ministry and uh, and the way God is using you. Carmen, that's very kind, and I appreciate how you're, you know, allowing God to use you in a very wonderful and broad way as well. So thank you. Well, you're so kind. All right, that's Dave Buring. You can connect with him at lionshare.org. Now let's turn our attention to glorifying God uh, in this day. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. We want to see your glory. Every knee falls down before thee. Every tongue offers you. Hey, what is originalism, and how is originalism connected to the rule of law? Is it a scourge, or is originalism actually a pretty good thing? We're going to talk about that next with Dr. Adam Carrington. We'll also hit some 
uh, headlines of the day, like the special master that's been appointed in the Trump document investigation, Senator Graham's proposal for a 15-week federal abortion ban, and yeah, revisit our thankfulness for our Constitution. All of that up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Dr. Adam Carrington is joining us again from Hillsdale College. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Um, I hear that uh, you um, have quite a lot on your plate, so we thank you, as always, for joining us today. Um, let's uh, let's take a bite at it here. The scourge of originalism. That was the uh, headline of an article in the L.A. Times. What is originalism, and um, is it good or you know is it a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> yes, and it, it has risen to prominence as far as it being critiqued and defended because a fairly clear majority of the Supreme Court now holds to this. It is a method of interpreting laws in general, but the Constitution is where it often gets focused. And what it says is that how to understand what a law means and therefore how to apply it in a particular case or particular instance should be to look at what was the original, uh, the, the meaning of the words and the meaning of the law at the time that it was made, and that that should bind law uh, interpreters on courts today. It should also interpret, uh, uh, bind everyone else that's living under, for say, the Constitution. And um, it is being critiqued. It's being critiqued, I think, on one hand, because it's not getting the results that some people want. It's been uh, uh, it, it is uh, it is the reason that Roe v. Wade was overturned. It's the reason that um, uh, gun rights have been expanded and that religious liberty rights have been protected more than they were in the past. But um, I think the more substantive argument with it is this debate between how do we uh, balance um, what stays the same about the law and what changes in our society. And there are people who critique it basically along the lines of our society needs to evolve, it is evolving, and our laws need to evolve with it. And uh, the response to that, and I think this is right, is to say that there is a method for evolving and changing laws if you think they're no longer right or no longer fitting what society needs, and that's um, changing those laws uh, consciously, having new amendments to the Constitution or having new laws under uh, written under them by Congress or the states. Um, I think that what's good about originalism is it says, until you do that, we are going to stick with what the words were written. Otherwise, why have written words uh, to rule us. Why have the rule of law, which is supposed to say we know ahead of time the rules we're supposed to live by, the laws we're supposed to live by, uh, if they're going to be manipulated and changed, even for the good, by judges and other people. So I think the idea that we write down our laws and that they mean what they meant when they were written is a good thing, and there are other ways to get changes. And uh, I think it also, in the case of the Constitution, privileges the wisdom of our framers and our founders um, and, and is a reason why we should have celebrated Constitution Day this last Saturday. So um, 
Is originalism perfect? No. There can be debates about what words meant at the time and, you know, disagreements and things. But I think in general, what it does is it upholds the rule of law and gives us a stable basis for which we can do what we think is right legally. I think I have an originalist hermeneutic when it comes to the Bible. I am interested in knowing what the Bible um, meant and therefore what it means and what it means today cannot means cannot be something different than what it meant. And so I, I don't think that makes me a biblical literalist as much as it makes me a biblical originalist. And that's yeah. one of the ways that I enter into the conversation as a Christian, you know, into the conversation about constitutional originalism and the application of the meaning of what the founders had to say today. Um, does that does that sound legitimate to you or not? And it's yeah, okay if th- it's not, because, you know, I, I'm, I'm open to being retrained. No, I, I think that's right. I, I, I think where, where, where there's a, a overlap is that you're supposed to uh, submit to rightful authority. <laughs> and how do you know what that rightful authority says you should and shouldn't do if there's not a way of stably communicating that will to you, stably committing mm-hmm. it through words? And and I'm sure you agree with this. I, we're not saying that the founding fathers were equal to God that no. in their in, in their power or, or infallibility, or any lawmaker that passes a law, you know, today. Um, but that they the 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 legislators or lawmakers are when they're doing things rightly they're exercising authority dedicated by them to god to exercise dominion and rule over the world and while and and so there is a similarity there where we should submit to that rightful authority and and similarly with the bible how can you how can you submit to it if you don't believe there's some objective meaning to the words that were the intention of God? Similarly, how can you be ruled by a constitution if you don't believe there was some meaning that you can't manipulate and make it what you want? And I think you're right about on the biblical side, and it's much worse of a problem than with the constitution. I think the constitution certainly has been manipulated and misused when people haven't approached it rightly, but how much worse scripture when we try to make it what we want it to be, to fit our idols, to fit our preconceived notions, to fit our cultural and social uh, trends, then when we say, no, this is a document that forms us, not that we manipulate for how we're already wanting to be. So helpful. Thank you so much. So uh, we're talking with Dr. Adam Carrington. I am reading now from a piece he has posted in the National Review at nationalreview.com. This is a piece uh, sort of in in recognition and honor of Constitution Day. Let us be thankful that we rule through words, not violence. Um, talk about our commitment to uh, being a, a constitutionally formed people and what that really means in terms of um, the exercise of what I will, you know, small r Republican self-government. Right. And that dovetails, I think, fair well from the conversation we were just having. Mm-hmm. And that is to say that if you go back to ancient times, there were there even from ancient times, there were really two ways to get people to decide how to act together. And one was violence. 
just the strongest one with the biggest guns or knives or whatever, um, got to be in charge and dictate what everyone else did. <laughs> but even from early times, the idea came out that words are much more human, much more restrained, much more peaceful, and, and, and recognize the dignity and, and rationality of each other to discuss, debate, and then decide that way. And that written laws, like we were talking about just before, are a manifestation of that. And so not just a manifestation of peace, but a manifestation of our humanity. And when you fast forward to the U.S. Constitution and realize that it begins with we the people, meaning we're not ruled by a king, we're not ruled by a, a, an elite group, we are the ultimate human rulers, God's the ultimate, ultimate ruler, but we're the ultimate human rulers, then um, doing so through constitutions both is a very human way of peacefully manifesting our rule, what we think is right and just and should be done. And I would say the genius of our constitution is that those words make us a better version of ourselves, that the way it orders how we do things through a, a deliberative Congress, through federalism, through separation of powers, makes us more a more rational, moderate version of what we what we would be otherwise. So we make better decisions. And then the other is things like our Bill of Rights commit us beyond the normal political process to to principles that are inherent rights of human beings and to say we're not going to leave those to just what a majority might want and that that's a self-restraint of the people. We're not going to let any majority take away free exercise of religion or freedom of speech or do cruel and unusual punishments. Um, all of those, I think, are manifestations of how we, the people, as Republican self-governors, -govern have exercised our rule wisely to make us rule the best that we can. And I think that's both the genius of rule by words and genius by the rule of words that we have in our, our current constitution. I think a conversation about small D Democratic and small R Republican would be um, potentially like a helpful bridging conversation in the polarized um, you know, environment that we're in today. So I'll just plant that seed. Um, I'd love to um, come back, Adam, to a conversation about what's happening today that, you know, literally billions of people are fixated upon. Some more than four billion people um, have been watching Queen Elizabeth II's funeral this morning. Um, and and so I'd love to have a conversation with you about the monarchy, um, why we are so fascinated um, by what's happening and her in particular and and just how devotedly Christian um, she is. So could we do that after a very brief break? That'd be wonderful. Hey, we're going to have a conversation um, with Dr. Adam Carrington about Queen Elizabeth II, her death, um, Charles III, maybe from the perspective of politics, what's going on, um, you know, from our seat here in the United States of America. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show featured on the Faith Radio Network. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share at MyFaithRadio.com. My guess is you spend a fair amount of time on social media. So where do you spend your time? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube? Well, have you followed or liked Faith Radio on those platforms? I would invite you to do so. I'm there as well. 
If you want to check out uh, my personal pages, you could connect with me individually. We would love to have you uh, use the resources that we have produced and are creating and posting on social media for you to share with others. We got all kinds of stuff from graphics to you know, Bible verses. I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff. Go check it out on your social media. Connect with us on Faith Radio social media. And, you know, let's get the word out to others. All right. Back to the show. Again, thanks for listening. Love connecting with you at MyFaithRadio.com. Joining us now, Dr. Adam Carrington from Hillsdale College. Um, Adam, maybe some of your reflections on the death of Queen Elizabeth II, the new reign of uh, of Charles III, and I mean, just this incredibly devoted Christian woman who has now passed into life eternal. Yeah, and I might start with that that last part that we are seeing with the passing of Elizabeth II, possibly the end of a uh, of the era of Christian monarchs in Europe. And if you want to know how long that tradition has been going on, you can go back at least 12, 13, 1400 years of that tradition of Christian monarchs in, in Europe. So this is a very long tradition. She was very devout. She, in fact, we I learned uh, from this process of her death that among the pastors that she really respected and loved to hear preach were Billy Graham, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, if anyone knows mm. that uh, famous English minister, um, uh, and, and, and then others, uh, uh, others that uh, were very evangelical, Orthodox Christian uh, uh, ministers. And she even said at her Christmas speech in 2000 that she gave to the nation that the teachings of Christ were what guided her, what uh, formed her life. So uh, a very devout, faithful woman who sacrificed much for her country, but also saw her her monarchy as a calling from God and a, uh, a a task from God. And I think that is something that, that needs to be um, praised and needs to be respected. Uh, and, and I'll say, as, as, as a good small-R Republican, <laughs> connecting to our previous segments in the United States, uh, who loves George Washington, for example, um, I still think there are things we can learn from the concept of monarchy, even as small-R Republicans, and respect about it, and one is political, one is spiritual. Uh, politically, uh, we're, we rightly, I think, emphasize a lot um, liberty and equality in the United States, and I think one reason that we sometimes have a love for monarchy is that it shows a kind of pageantry and ceremony that um, efficient democracy doesn't always play to, uh, and it shows a, uh, a desire for something beautiful, higher, noble, and lasting, whereas democracy, uh, e- even at its best, is often about how we can change, adapt, and get things done. And so even someone like Alexander Hamilton said there, there's a stability to monarchy. There is a, um, a, 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 a pageantry and devotion that can be attached to it. And I think really tried to say, how can we, without be, 
having our own kings and queens maybe attach that love and pageantry to the Constitution. Later, people wanted to to our founders. And so I think that there's some wisdom to trying to provide means of stability in a republic that a monarchy provides in a monarchy. So I, I think that's that was uh, that that's something to take away politically. And then I'd just say spiritually, um, I think people's natural gravitation at times toward monarchy is just because ultimately uh, we have a king in heaven, and mm. that king is perfect. Uh, Christ is uh, called king. Uh, uh, he is our prophet, priest, and king. God is called throughout all the Psalms, king. And that he is everything we yearn for, even when we're looking at monarchy. He is perfectly powerful. He will, so he will never be unable to help us. He is perfectly, um, he, ever, he is everlasting, meaning he will not die as a queen or king will here and then leave us. He is perfectly just and righteous and therefore will use his power to do all things well for our good, and that he is using that power and that that justice uh, for uh, the least of these among us, the the powerless and the oppressed and the fatherless and the widow, and that that is ultimately what we long for. And the pageantry we like is alt here on monarchs today is ultimately a desire to worship the true and real king. And I think as long as we don't confuse our earthly monarchs for the divine monarch, uh, those monarchs can at least point us to our true, final, and ultimate and eternal king. Mm. Amen, amen, and amen. If the Queen of England knew she needed a king, how much more, <laughs> right, ought, ought we recognize that same truth? That's so, that's so good and gives us such a wonderful perspective um, on what we are witnessing today and the opportunity that it is as a witness to the world. Um, Adam, we probably have uh, a couple of minutes here to talk about one more topic, so I'm going to leave it up to you. Senator Lindsey Graham's proposed 15-week federal abortion ban or the special master appointed in the Trump document investigation? <laughs> oh, I was having so much fun talking about monarchy. Um, <laughs> I, I, I uh, Maybe... Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe we uh, may, maybe we could go with the abortion question because I think it brings in two issues that I think might be of interest. One is there's a constitutional debate going on about the Senator Graham's 15-week national abortion ban, and that among pro-lifers. And that debate is: can the national what can the national government do? regarding abortion. And I, I'm, I'm glad this debate is going on because it shows some principle, because it's one thing to say I'm pro-life. It's another thing to say, should the states or the national government be the ones acting on those pro-life principles? And so uh, I think a thing for, for people to consider is on one side, the argument is that the 14th Amendment, the national government can step in if states are grossly not providing equal protection of the laws. And in this case, you could say by not protecting the unborn, they're doing that. Uh, on the other side is the is the claim that um, in the end, uh, that's stretching what equal protection of the laws or what the national government can do. And it should still be left to the states to make that call. Uh, the second question is political. Um, with the loss, uh, the terrible loss in Kansas, in the referendum they had on abortion, uh, 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 pro-lifers are a little skittish on what can they accomplish. 
Uh, and I think I will say on this, I think if you can't agree on a 15 week ban, then, you know, the, the pro-life movement's not going to be successful because how I, that's not even moving the needle that much further back from what it was under Roe v. Wade, another five or six weeks. So um, I think that that constitutional debate needs to be played out even more. But I think that what pro-lifers need to do is be principled in their constitutionalism, but then say, we've got to pursue pro-life policies wherever we think we constitutionally can. So the debate is good, but I think we need to come to a conclusion on it and then move forward and be bold, uh, regardless of the electoral consequences, on trying to move forward with the best pro-life legislation we can get passed. That's really helpful. Thank you so much um, for that. I'm sure we'll be circling back around to this topic um, in the coming weeks, months, and years. Um, Adam Carrington, as always, thank you so much. I know your plate is very full. Thank you for including us in a very, very busy schedule. That's Dr. Adam Carrington. You can find him at Hillsdale College and on Twitter. He tweets at Carrington AM. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. In case you're just tuning in, I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. And if you take away nothing else, um, hear this. You are precious to God. You are precious to God. Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2 remind us, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, he who formed you, this is what the Lord says. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. 1 John 3, 1 reminds us, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Zephaniah three seventeen says, the Lord sings over you. The Lord rejoices over you. So Psalm 100, maybe be our walk off um, this hour. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Friend, you are precious to God, and he loves you. We got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. We're going to survey what in the world is going on in the world. We're going to listen to a portion of the service for the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, And we're going to talk with a army ranger about the hell of Fallujah and the grace of God. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.